Well, hello. Welcome to another edition of Something to Talk About. Hey, Vaughn. How good are morning. you? How are you? <laughs> I am good. Hey, I got a surprise for you. Okay. We are sponsored. We are sponsored oh. by DFWNetworkingDiva.com. Oh, wow. Christine Dean, who knows absolutely everything there is to know about marketing and networking, uh, website building, client interactions. She is a, a sweetheart. And Christine has graciously said, I want to sponsor your show. That's so awesome. she, she's going to be our, our, our sponsor. And folks, if you're listening and watching, you can go to dfwnetworkingdiva.com. And you'll learn everything you want to know about Christine Dean and all the work that she does. And also, you can sign up for a free consultation with her. So if you want to build your business or start your business, advertise your business, talk to Christine. And if you want to just talk about something else, you can just talk to Vaughn and, and me. Because we've always got something to talk about. We've always got something to talk about. And sometimes it's hard to shut us up once uh -huh. we start talking about something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's okay. Yep you've you've had you've had a, another busy week. I've had a busy week, and it's kind of interesting. The whole world has had a busy week, actually, since last Wednesday. Uh, and it's and it's interesting. We're we're living in this time of COVID, where all of us are kind of stuck at home, but we're almost busier than ever. It, it, Some of us, yeah. You know. I, I I ran out to the grocery store yesterday. Fortunately, I went in the afternoon, and I was only one of about a half a dozen people that were in the store, so I felt good about that. Yeah. But, but anyway, so how you been doing? I've been great. I've been been great, and I've been busy. <laughs> you know, and 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 for those that are listening and watching, we we kind of get together via text. Uh, during the during the days when we're not on the air uh, to talk about, well, what are we going to talk about? Almost everything that we talk about now is COVID-related because it's made an impact. We've been talking about, you know, the impact on businesses, the impact on corporations. Uh, we were trying to get a guest, ho a guest on our show today to talk about, you know, the impact on government, but somebody that we both know wasn't available, but we just are not going to mention John Keating's name on the we air. Shouldn't, we shouldn't. No. Although I was, I, I was with him this morning, actually, because he filed to run for city council this morning. And so I was there to, uh, to uh, witness and support the filing of, you know, him running for city council again. He is one committed citizen. I'll tell you that. Yep. Well, I hope you kicked. Your, I hope you kicked his butt for not being on the show with us. You know I did. <laughs> you know he's, I did. He's going to be walking around rubbing his butt all day from that mm -hmm. kick. The good thing is he owes me one. It's always good to have someone. It's always good to have a politician who owes you, right? <laughs> that, that's right. Yeah. Rather than the other way around. Right. 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 Yeah. No, he's so busy. He's got so much going on always. Um, and you know, so we're just going to get him on the show another time. Um, you know, and then obviously we started talking about a different topic and getting a different guest on the show. And that potential guest was also, uh, occupied. Her agenda was full. So to your point, we are all managing to stay very busy during these times of trying to stay, 
kind of to yourself and uh, whatever, but that's right. Yeah. Um, which I think is a, is a good thing as long as you're doing it responsibly. And I think most people are. Um, and I, I, I know I have a house full of busy people right now. Of course, Phil's been working remotely from home, but now I have Emily who's back to school at Baylor. She's working on recruitment. She's actually recruitment chair. So she's extremely busy down at Baylor getting all the girls through rush. And then my youngest daughter, who is a, a freshman at Baylor, Elizabeth, is going through Rush as a potential new member, and she is doing it virtually from home, which is not ideal, but at least they're having Rush, some form of Rush, where these girls um, and guys uh, can at least um, have the opportunity to join Greek life should they want to. Um, but it's done online. Uh, the sororities, uh, the active members have organized the chapter rooms and their houses to uh, kind of, they've put the backdrops up and they've made the kind of scene um, uh, as if you were going into the room in person to meet the active members. Uh, they've kind of created that scene uh, on, you know, on the online or whatever, virtually. Right, right. And then the potential new members go through Rush on you know kind of like zoom where they're entering rooms um virtually and they can interact they can talk they can ask questions about philanthropy and membership and whatnot and that's what elizabeth is busy doing all day yesterday and into today and into the next couple days so uh yes we're i think really society as a whole has come to a point where um this this new kind of lifestyle, whether it's work, school, um, just social interaction, it seems to me just in conversation that I've had with my circle of friends is that it's becoming a little bit more natural to kind of um, conduct your life in this kind of new way and uh, when need be. I mean, obviously, there are still people getting together face to face in social, you know, uh, in, in limited groups, whatever, small, but if, if, if you're needing to kind of interact with larger groups, I think it's becoming a little bit more natural to do it the way they're doing it right now. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a year ago when we all started getting involved with this COVID thing and nobody knew uh, about zoom and, uh, and what they were going to do, uh, we've all become, pretty Zoom friendly. And we realize that we can al do almost anything virtually that we can do in person. Uh, you know, la last week on this show, you were you were out of town uh, and I had uh, uh, Eric Knudsen on the, on the show that talked about uh, real estate. And, you know, one of the things he was talking about is, is that there are a lot of people that are willing to sit on their computers and go on a virtual uh, tour of, of a house for their consideration. You know, to, in order to narrow it down and to lessen their exposure of being out and and seeing properties, you know, uh, uh, on an on an ongoing basis. Uh, now, you you mentioned uh, uh, Emily. Uh, Emily is uh, uh, in ZTA. She's Zeta. Uh, uh huh. Mm -hmm. Zeta Alpha. Yeah. Yes. I, I've already told you about my my involvement with with ZTA yes. when I was yes. in college. You know, is that that obviously one of the sororities that uh, Elizabeth is considering? 
I'm assuming she's looking at Zeta. Because she would be a legacy, so it would be... uh, It would be a legacy. I'm assuming she's looking at all the uh, sororities. Um, uh, Really, she and and Emily have kind of tried not to talk a lot about it, uh, just so that Elizabeth can kind of have the experience, kind of be her own experience. And so she's she's going through, and, uh, you know, I just think, Rush is very difficult, no matter how you slice it, during right. during a pandemic or not during a pandemic. Obviously, during this pandemic, it presents different challenges to the whole kind of Rush experience. But Rush, really, generally speaking, at any u- university, is is very very tough. It's very emotional. It's very trying. It's um it's exhausting on um, on both sides. Active oh, yeah, members, I, I, potential yeah. new members. And, 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 and it, it really is, is tough. Um, but, you know, really at the end of the day, in most cases, if you don't get the sorority you think you wanted in the beginning, or maybe, you know, it was one that you really wanted and perhaps you would have been a good fit. Usually you do land somewhere where it works out. These sororities usually are, um, usually have a membership of, I don't know, 400 plus can't find a circle of friends and 400 some no matter what sorority you land in you know then then that's it so i I think i think um you know girls land and guys land where where they're supposed to be and it all usually works out um but i think the thing that is most important is that you go in with your eyes open and with you know kind of like um the mindset of looking at all the sororities and uh, trying to find a place that where you feel like it would be kind of a good fit uh, for both parties. So that's, I think, her 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 thinking right now. Um, and so, yeah, she's going to be busy with that for the rest of the week, and uh, we'll see where she lands. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> the d- does ZTA have a physical house uh, sorority house? Uh, uh, or, or at, is- Baylor, at, at Baylor, no. Oh, okay. um, what they do have at Baylor are houses that kind of become the house off campus. Okay. Uh, for example, Matthew's fraternity had a house that kind of became his fraternity house. They called it the ranch. And that's where the president lived and they had hosted most of their parties and whatnot. Okay. So usually uh, there's, there is a house but it's but Baylor doesn't um, like they're not over the the like a lot of universities have like a sorority row or whatever. Exactly. They don't yeah. they don't have that. Um, they have a beautiful Panhellenic building at Baylor. Uh, the chapter rooms are in, amazing and huge, and they have uh, lounge areas where you can congregate. Your sorority can sit and have group Ooh. meetings and whatnot. You can study. They'll have snacks in there occasionally with coffee and beverages and whatever. And so they have this amazing uh, Panhellenic building where the sorties can, uh, you know, have their meetings and even hold social gatherings and whatnot. So um, that's where they're conducting rush is in their chapter room, which again is like a half size of a ballroom. It's huge. And and normally the girls, the potential members will come through that room. Obviously this year they just have the room decorated and then they have a limited number of members in the room at any given time while they're um, kind of hosting 
uh, their their rush social kind of um, gatherings during this week. So they're look they're 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 doing an amazing job, and I I probably can speak on behalf of all the sororities um, across the country really who are, who who have already gone through rush. Most colleges conduct rush in the fall of every new year. Baylor has deferred rush, so they do it in the spring. So that's why we're just doing rush now. But I, I think that I applaud their efforts. I think they're doing an amazing job trying to get to meet and interact and get to know um, all these girls that are going through rush the best way they can um, while it's not face to face. So um, again, it's kind of, you know, what we're discussing right now, just specifically about rush kind of uh, kind of bleeds into what we're going to talk about the, on the rest of the show, which is really just the fact that society, you know, we're, we're, we've been talking about this now in March, it'll be a year, right? And yeah. at the beginning of all of it, we were really all of us shucking and jiving our way through, you know, first, first we were quarantined for a month, so we really weren't doing anything. We were just completely shut down. But then once we started to get back into, you know, into the, to the world, we started to ease ourselves back into the world. What was that around May or June ish? We started to then have to figure out how to operate, whether it was work, school, uh, hobbies, whatever it was, social. Uh, we had to. We were just really kind of like entering these uncharted waters, and we didn't really. Now we are what eight, nine months, ten into it, and I, I can see and observe that it, 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 in some areas. Ed educationally speaking, you know, professionally speaking, wherever you are, people are becoming a little more fluent. That's not to say it's perfect because it's not, but people are becoming a little more fluent in how they're structuring um, their uh, either their schooling, which is what we're going to talk about today, or their business structure or wherever you are in life. So it, it is interesting to me. And as you and I kind of talked about I started to kind of think a little bit and think personally, uh, just my own personal experiences, where I am now compared to where I was in May of last year. And, and I, I, I also have become a little bit more fluent in how I'm living my life. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, a, a year oh, ago. Oh, oh. A, a year. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God! Sorry, that's not my cat. She just hopped up. That it's my daughter's cat. Go ahead. Sorry, Stuart. Go ahead. Hey, every everybody wants a piece of the action. Uh, oh my! She literally just flew up here. Yeah, you know. Go ahead. A, a year ago, we we all we all talked about. Okay, well, we've got this 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 virus, and we're probably going to get through it within the next few months. Well, I'm talking about you know like February or so of last year when it was first introduced. Well, then all of a sudden, you and, and 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 people like you had a senior in high school that was that was graduating, and you thought, okay, well, but by June, you know, we'll have graduation and 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 everything will be fine. Well, and then that didn't happen, so you had to improvise. You had to have virtual graduations. You had uh, a socially distanced drive-by graduations. It, we all had to to adjust our thinking. Well, here we are. We're coming up on, on an anniversary of the start of this this COVID uh, uh, program, and 
you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, to deal with it. We, we have to a certain extent, I think, uh, accepted the status quo that we are all going to have to do th things a lot more virtually, uh, you know, but it still doesn't make it any easier to deal with. And especially at the family level. Yes. It, it's, you know, for me, as I think about, and I agree with you and I, and one thing you just touched on is the status quo. And for me, when I was thinking about this kind of, when you, when you think, when you really sit down and try to put your mind around this pandemic and how it has affected our country, our world, the, the, um, the, it's, it's almost too much to put your mind around the topic as a whole. You have to almost right. put it in pieces by industry, by um, socioeconomic breakdown, by geography. Um, and I say geography because, for example, our educational system right now is being run completely different than other parts of the country where perhaps they're still a little bit more shut down. And so um, also just the makeup of, of, of the family dynamic, um, both parents working, or is it just a one work, is just one parent working while one is, is at home? Um, financial situation. Um, you know, there, there are just so many factors uh, that, that make this topic fall under a huge umbrella. Um, you also have, for example, some businesses that may have thrived during this pandemic just because of the nature of their business or perhaps maybe an organization of some kind. Right. And while you have other businesses that completely suffered and barely hung on during quarantine and, 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 and maybe still scratching and clawing to hang on um, and others that just completely closed down, didn't make it at all. There, you know, and again, that probably just has to do with uh, various various concepts of businesses and organizations that either could 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 survive during this time and and, and couldn't. But I, my point is that when I start to think about talking about this pandemic and how it's affected us, <laughs> you know, um, you 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 have to talk by category. Um, That's right. Yeah. Only sense of it to put to be able to manage the conversation. Um, you and I had talked about just education, the educational system, not only how it's affecting teachers, staff, administrators, but also just how it's affecting students, of course, but also extending that into their into the families, which has become yeah. a very uh, big topic because. While it might sound simple, it doesn't sound simple, but doable, realistic to educate online, just educate online. Just they'll, they'll instead of coming face to face, just turn on your com computer. How convenient could that be? And we'll just teach you online. The problem is there are so many challenges to that concept. Of um, that is presenting challenges not only for the teachers and staff and administration and students, but also for the families. And so uh, sure. we can we can sink our teeth a little bit more into that today. It's a it's certainly a, a topic that warrants discussion. Yeah, well, and a lot of the people that are watching and listening are are saying, "Yeah, I know what you're talking about because I'm 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 living through it." Uh, and if you are in a a a two parent 
household where maybe mom is is a stay-at-home mom, maybe the impact was a little bit less because having having the kids there and, and being in front of their computer screen to learn is not as challenging where you've got two, two uh, uh, parent uh, uh, people that are working in the workforce one of them obviously if is getting challenged because the other one has got to alter their lifestyle uh, and and certainly where there's a one parent household the impact on that because if they are working for an employer that has said yes you can work from home you know uh, remotely and all then then it's that's a plus but what happens if it's not I mean, if you've got, you know, I, I keep thinking about these people that are in the medical profession that are on the front line of trying to get us through this COVID. They've got to be at, at the hospitals and the medical centers and all, which means they can't be home with their kids overseeing what they're doing at school. And if the kids are in school, they still got to get there and 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 get home. And it's it's a very it's a very, very it's an enormous it's an enormous problem. And the thing, too, that you need to consider also, not only the makeup of the family where you've got maybe both parents working, leaving that their children or child or however many students they have at home alone to kind of work through this new way of learning on their own. But you also have students that fall into different schools and you have schools then that have different opportunities for the kids, different resources for the kids, students, different support, uh, you know, different venues and different avenues of support, different. And so you have schools across the country that vary in terms of how they can, what kind of support they can offer their students. You have districts right. that fall into different uh, parts of the community that might not have the necessary resources to make this as doable as others. You have communities that again might not be made up of community members that have um, again the resources and support volunteers and um, and active community members and that 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 can help. But your your point too, um, financial situations. Uh, you have students that don't even have access to um, the resources that they need to conduct their online learning. Um, and let's just say that. Let's just say, because those are issues that are, by the way, those are issues that have been in place or that have been, you know, that have been issues even before the pandemic. Students across this country have never really been on level uh, level playing field. They, they've always experienced what I just described, uh, you know. So right, right. now during this pandemic, when we had to have a backup plan um, and most schools and districts probably didn't because who would have expected this, we are realizing that maybe from this crisis, we can actually come up with some kind of business plan or educational system that supports these kids that have always had these issues of, of not having the resources and the support and the financial you know, stability um, to maintain education inside of school and outside of school, because that's what we're talking about right now is trying to come up with an educational system that provides quality learn teaching and learning both in and outside of the school. Weekends too, summers too, 
So it's, it's, it's giving us an opportunity, Stuart, really to open our eyes to issues that have always been here, but are now much more visible because the problem at hand, the major crisis at hand, opened our eyes to, to something that we really should have had all along, but desperately need right now. Um, I will say that, you know, I have had personal experience with students in school at this time. They're older students, they're higher education students. Um, um, That's something else you need to consider when you're talking about quality of education for students and how well students are performing right now. You need to think, are we talking K through eight, you know, primary schooling, or are we thinking middle? Eighth, or are we thinking you know, eight through twelve, or are we thinking college? So each each one of those groups also are experiencing something different in this. Mine is higher education university. Sorry, spam. Uh, <laughs> but I will tell you a, a, the one of the major challenges, and there are many. Um, and I'm speaking higher education now. Where my, where my students can work a little bit more independent from me. The, the primary students, the K through eight, they need a little bit more hands-on, tactile right. learning. They need right. that face-to-face -face support. They need somebody to monitor for comprehension. And I say that as a former educator. Right, right. When these children are home and they're online learning, and they are trying to master a skill, should they learn that skill on their own incorrectly and begin to practice that skill incorrectly without a teacher monitoring in the classroom, checking for comprehension, that's what you're supposed to do is get it before they start to practice it the wrong way. And they're not, those, those young ones are not getting that when they're at home online learning. And even though there's a teacher on the screen, it's very difficult to have that, that, that dialogue that you would have in the classroom. Now, having said that, that does happen in the higher education where my daughter, for example, Elizabeth, was in has happened several times. She's online learning. And there's something she doesn't understand. Well, you are to email your professor. Well, it could be 24 hours, maybe not usually, but it could be up to 24 hours before you hear back. That's putting that additional pressure on the on the teachers too. Well, and absolutely, and absolutely. It, it look it is, the the challenges go both ways. Don't get me wrong. I mean, right, right. But then you've got this student who's put on hold and really can't follow through on their assignment until they get the end. So. I think everybody recognizes the problem at hand. It's a huge problem. And to your point, the educators, by the way, you might have a teacher who's trying to educate her students and also has, has her own children at home online learning. So it, it is a, and again, we could talk so much. I think everybody recognizes the challenges. My hope is that during this time, because I hate to say this, it's so overused, but it is what it is. We are where we are right now. But what I hope is that districts across the country and schools across the country and you know, school boards across the country are looking at this as a way, because you said status quo. We're not gonna, I don't know right. that the goal would be to go back to status quo because I don't think status quo was working for all students.
this might be a very good time to just really open our eyes, step outside the box, and think about not only education in the school, but how do you educate outside the school? Because a lot of these kids need that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, the students, like you mentioned, in the higher education, uh, good Lord, I, I, I know that if, if I've got a fourth grader or something that's having trouble with math, I can probably help. But if they're a senior in high school and they're studying quantum theories and everything, ain't no way I'm going to be able to offer anything other than maybe would you like a sandwich and a and a right. glass of milk? Uh, so I think that now the onus is falling upon the students to kind of help each other because while they're waiting for that answer to come back from the teacher, maybe they need to get together virtually to try and say, do you understand this, this assignment? Well, let's kind of work on it together. Um, yeah. In order, in order to 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 move to move forward with the process. And Stuart, I think that there a lot of this too. Let's just face it; you've got to make a choice. I mean, schools and districts and the community and 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 nonprofit tutorial organizations and all the different places where you can seek out help during these times. You have to make a choice. You have to put some onus on the individual student and their families to make a choice to be proactive and try to get the help they need. There, there are ways out there. I mean, well, let me give you an example. It was a few months ago, but DISD had put out, I know you and I have touched on this before, but DISD had put out an, uh, I don't know, a, a, a statement that I want to say over, don't anybody quote me, this was months ago, but I want to say over 2,000 students in DISD, Dallas Independent School District, over 2,000 were simply unaccounted for. That What that means is they were not tapping into the online learning, nor were they going into, because going face-to-face. -face. A lot of schools, at least here in Texas, were given the choice. Their students were given a choice. You could go face-to-face -face if you felt comfortable, which meant going back into the building right. this fall, past fall. If you didn't feel comfortable, you have the option to online learn. So you have the, the choice. That was that hy hybrid program that- uh, And then, it, yeah, and then, but in this case, the kids that were unaccounted for, which was th into the thousands, thousands, they were not choosing to do either. Those kids just simply didn't bother to do anything at all. Whether it was their choice, whether, um, circumstances in their life kind of yeah, necessity at home yeah don't, don't know whether that they whether they didn't have the family support behind them whatever the reason this 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 past year in education has already shown a severe drop in test rankings from lat from the previous year and it's going to be very very difficult to it's going to take some time i don't think it'll be difficult to to compare kind of education, success in education, quality in education year over year from now into the next few years. But I suspect just based on this conversation alone that there's that this lull in education, you're gonna see some remnants of this moving forward in the next few, in the next few years, especially these kids who are choosing to not even go to school at all. We've yeah, got to get them back in. We've got to get them back into the schools. Yeah, well, and then that's going to cause its own problem because come the end of the year, those thousands that have not been participating, uh, you can't move them ahead to the next grade, so they may have to be held back, which is now adding those 
those hundreds and thousands of people to that grade in order moving forward to teach, it's, it's presenting another dilemma for the administrations and the school districts and everything, how to, who, who goes forward uh, uh, who, and who is held back and, right. and for what reasons. Uh, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's an ongoing problem and, and, and it's a, it's, it's a problem that I think is, is causing the stress and the anxiety levels in a lot of people, both students as, and parents and administrators to increase. And now we've got another issue we've got to contend with. Right. And, and, and I will say this again, you know, I don't mean to stress this point, but I just think that, you know, people who are listening to us, depending on where you live, depending on how old your children are, um, depending on how vulnerable your student is. And when I say vulnerable, I mean, you know, have they always had a financial kind of um, circumstance that has prevented them from getting a better quality education? Have they always had certain circumstances that have either provided them a quality education or not? You know, this is very individualized too. You have to consider even, 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 if you're looking at students within the same district, same community, same district, same school, you still even have individualized students who have different circumstances. So it is a very individualized kind of um, issue when you're trying to tackle this because you, you, you can't just think of education as a whole, as I've said. But, you know, I think that if, I want people to know though that there are the schools I'd like to believe are out there in support of their students and their families. If you are a family at home right now struggling with your student at home, however many, one child, two, whatever, I would start with your school. If you're finding that you are just struggling to uh, keep up with the work, even keep up with attending, technology issues, um, uh, you know, just needing help with, with assignments or uh, extra, extra work, tutoring, um, some kind of whatever it can be, or even if you're just kind of mentally becoming, like you said, people are probably at their wits end right now trying to, to handle all this. I would start with your school because I think your school has been prepared at this point. Most schools, I would think, are prepared to guide you in the right direction, provide you with direction, offer resources. Perhaps they might not be available, uh, you know, they might not be equipped to help you with all of your needs, but they can at least get you in the right direction. So I wouldn't just sit back and drown in all of this. I would, right. you have to be proactive. You have to. You have to take care of yourself in this too. People can't just do it for you. So if you're finding yourself in that situation, my recommendation would be, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional in all this, but if it were me and I was a mother of young kids and I felt like I was just completely overwhelmed in all of this, I would start with my school because I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess most schools across this country right now are prepared to offer you resources and at least verbal direction on which way you should go to continue fluently working through your educational, you know, 
educational experience with your kids. Do you think that there is also a, a, an involvement of the, based on where you're living the and how active your parent teacher organization is also? Absolutely. Uh, to work, work through the PTAs and everything to get some of these issues taken care of. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your PTA and, and also, listen, you and I talked about this before too, but social media can be a real, you know, can, can, I don't know, social media can not work well in some cases and present only negativity. But in this case, social media can be your best friend because you put it out there, just put out if you need a tutor. And, and, and while some of this does cost money, if you can't afford a tutor or if you can afford somebody to come by the house, if, if, that's a different ball game, it, it, depending on where you are. But if you are hands tied, both parents working, uh, you don't, you can't afford another penny on a tutor or somebody coming into the house. There are actually nonprofit organizations that have been kind of um, either around all have been around or right. have recently right. just emerged uh, because of this situ you know, this pandemic, but you can actually find organizations that have free, uh, you know, tutoring. I don't know exactly where, but if you just Google, um, I think distant, if you Google distant learning, I think like I, I looked at that. If you Google distant learning resource center, um, nonprofit tutorings, uh, lots of stuff will pop up and then you just have to kind of hone in on, you know, your geographical location, like where you are. But you know, I'm also, there are resources and help and support out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm also thinking that this may be a, 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 an opportune time for retired teachers. Uh, you know, uh, perhaps maybe when schools are in session, they, they occasionally do substitute teaching. But for retired teachers to offer services at nominal fees to assist struggling students with some of their, their work, you can do it virtually. And, and become like a virtual tutor just because they know what this situation is all about. They yeah. know how difficult it is. Uh, you know, I have a sister that spent 35 years in the, in the educational system and all. And, and I, I believe that there are, are just, you know, retired, a lot of retired teachers that would say, yeah, you know what, I, I can devote a, a few hours a week and to just help out students that need it. Whether they, whether they have the ability to pay or maybe not, to just say, the, we can't let any child go uneducated. Un, un, uh, uh, no that's, child left behind. That's right. That's right. And, well, and, know, and imagine if we were going through this when we didn't have, like, we didn't utilize our computers the way we do now. We didn't have the social media and the interaction, the kind of like uh, virtual interaction that we have right now. Imagine how right. different. It would be to reach out to one another in this way. We do have that right now. So use it to your advantage. And again, it doesn't all have to cost you money to do it. Um, I mean, there are, call your local library or, but again, I would start with district and to your point, school and PTA or PTO. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain across the country, most schools have been, are, are not only right now trying to provide a quality education. Uh, in, in a new, in a completely new format. But also, I'm I'm fairly certain that you'll find that they're also trying to uh, define ways to support the families uh, through all this. Because 
everybody has a new role now. Teachers have a new role, administrators have a new role, staff has a new role, students have a new role, parents have a new role. Everybody's having to kind of pick up a little bit of the slack on both ends. And I think it's very manageable and doable, but everybody has to play a part in it and it's not gonna just happen for you. If you have a student at home right. who's just choosing not to go to school, uh, you gotta kind of get deck up on that horse and you've got to make a choice. If you want to make it happen, you got to play a role in it too, as the student. Right. And, and as we said earlier, we all thought a year ago that this was probably going to be over by summertime. And so when the, when the, the fall came around and the students went back into school, uh, it would be, you know, it would be all behind us. Now we've gone through the fall session. We're heading into this to the spring session. Uh, we've got places all over the world where where the uh, COVID strain is increasing. And also, we have to get ourselves ad adjusted to the fact that this could go on for a considerable amount of time. And we have to get ourselves into a, a new norm, if you will, that ho hopefully sometime soon, yeah, we can now say, okay, we've all helped each other get through this. Now we're all going to go back into the classroom. Moms and dads can go back to work and doing what they're doing. And, and you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't bet more than a, than a, a a quarter on on when that's going to happen because uh, you know I think I think we're in for it for the long long haul. And uh, once once we do see a light at the end of the tunnel. There's still going to be a lot of parents that are going to be reluctant to sending their kids back to the school. Uh, the, the, the teachers are going to have to now learn uh, to revert back to another form of, of interaction with their students. Uh, it's, it's going to be problematic for a while, but you can't just sit back and say, oh, well, I'll just wait till it's over. You got to jump right in head first and deal with the situation and the problem and make it the best that it can be for the for the administrations, the, the teachers, the students, the families, and everybody. Yeah. I think, actually, so when this all started, the schools had, like, a couple months left of school, of, 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 of schooling, whatever. Right. And I think during that time, when Elizabeth was second half of her senior year, there was a lot of shucking and jiving around the whole kind of how to teach, how to learn thing. But I think that starting this school year and certainly at this point, generally speaking, most teachers have become very comfortable. Like back last year at the end of last school year, nobody was comfortable. I mean, it wasn't working. It just was like, I mean, it was just, the teachers were not happy. They, they didn't understand. But now, because it did go on a lot longer than we thought it would, and perhaps will continue to go on a lot longer than we would hope it will. But I think that generally speaking, there, there's at least a process in place and it might not be working for everybody the same, but I do think that it's that for the most part, uh, all the players have become a little bit more fluent in the new kind of educational system for now. That's not to say it can't get better because it certainly can. And also I would, I, I bet even to your point when the kids went in would the kids end up back in school, just back at school, like they have always been back at school face to face. I bet a lot of new systems that they will put into place, you know, across the board will, will remain in place just because it will be, they'll, I think that they will find that it will be helping more students across the board who always needed maybe perhaps this new kind of way of teaching and learning. So yeah, 
Maybe some good will come 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 out of this. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think what what originally was a challenge has now become kind of an adjustment of, yeah. of how, how we how we approach everything day to day. And you know, like we said, we had we had homeschooling, we had in school schooling, we had hybrids. Uh, it was going back and forth. The schools were open, and then all of a sudden they closed the doors again. Uh, and and we're we're in a point now where I think people are adjusting to it a little more so, and the students are learning how to learn virtually, and hopefully that will that will continue to be helpful to them till they get through this current uh, school year, and then the summertime will be a period of a little bit of adjustment as we head towards fall of this year. And I, and I, I agree with you on all of that. And I don't want to end this call or this show without also mentioning the fact that we've been really talking academics. Right. Um, one thing that people need to also consider, be aware of, is the fact that with school closures and, and or limited, you know, kind of um, uh, headcount, whatever, um, there are many students right now that are also feeling um, the brunt of uh, after-school programs, uh, not being able to attend their after-school programs, which were, um, you know, with when you have both parents working, perhaps was something that, you know, was certain, and that's that's paid for. I mean, so that was something that was kind of like available to them just being in the public right. school system. You also have these kids who weren't getting proper meals. Uh, I, I was a teacher. I was a substitute teacher. I can't tell you how many kids would come in early for the hot breakfast in the morning. Um, with school closures and, and again, the, the hybrid kind of going and not going in online learning, there are kids who are not getting, you know, the, the meals that they're used to getting. So I guess one thing I'd like to point out is there, there's, there's more in terms of how these students are being affected by this. There's more than just academics. It's also uh, that, like I said, the kind of the after school and the before school and the um, extracurricular and the meals. So look into your community. And um, if you can look to see if there's any way you could possibly volunteer and help in that regard, because I know that there we here in Frisco have Frisco Fast Packs. And while we might have some schools closed, albeit most of ours are open, but still, while we might have some kids not comfortable going to school, we are still trying to provide meals and, and, and care and after school care. Um, and so look into your school district and see if there's any help that you can provide, any volunteer work that you can provide, because this, again, is affecting these students in, in more ways than just academic kind of issues. You're absolutely right. And, and I mean, we, we can't solve all of the issues on this, this program and everything, but it, I hope we've raised the awareness that it exists and all, and work with your school systems and ask questions. There's people there that are willing to help and point you in the right direction if you just reach out. Well, it's it's been great being with you and covering this. I know it's a passion for you being an educator. Uh, and also uh, thanks to everybody that tuned in. Again, we wanna thank uh, Christine Dean of, uh, of uh, DFWNetworkingDiva.com. Uh, for sponsoring the show. Also want to send a shout out to our producer, uh, Mark Warner, who uh, also has a, a place for you to visit on your computer. Go to livelifepodcast.com and see what Mark is into now. And we thank him very much for producing the show. And uh, y'all go out there and, 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 and make it a good week. Uh, stay safe, be well, 
And we'll catch you again right here next week, same time for another Something to Talk About. Bye.